This message by Zach Varnell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Zach serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Well, good morning. Welcome. Uh, if you need a Bible this morning, we would love to get you one, and one of our ushers will bring it to you. You can just raise your hand uh, so that you can have that. You can take that home with you today as well. But today we're going to continue our series, uh, like Bill prayed for, where we're addressing the biblical category of worldliness and, and seeking to, by the grace of God, conquer it and the power of the Spirit, also that we might be satisfied in Christ. That's what we're after. Being satisfied in Christ. Open with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, the first two verses. This is God's wonderfully sufficient and authoritative word for us today. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. May the Lord help us apply this word today to our lives. In 1985, the year before I was born, but well into our senior pastor Bill's midlife, <laughs> author Neil Postman uh, published a book, and he published this book in response to 1984, the year that had just been completed before, the year that George Orwell had written about, predicting that one day we would be living under a totalitarian regime. Well, it hadn't happened. 1984 had come and gone, and so in light of that, he wrote this book. But at the same time, there was another book that predicted another kind of rule. It was a book titled Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Many of you have read both these books in school. But Postman was looking at and comparing these two books. One of them, Orwell's, talked about an imposed oppression. But the other one, Brave New World, talked about an oppression that the people loved. He wrote this, Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Whereas Huxley feared that the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Whereas Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture. Preoccupied by superficial entertainment. The problem in, in 1984 was pain. The problem in Brave New World was pleasure. Orwell feared that what we hate would come to ruin us. But Huxley feared that it would be what we love that would come to ruin us. So Postman's book was exploring the reality Huxley might have been right. Huxley might have more accurately described what we see going on in our world. And the title of his book, 
amusing ourselves to death. And this was 1985, by the way, where he was mostly talking about a TV screen. What about today? When each of us carries a screen in our pocket tens of thousands of times more powerful than the computer that guided Apollo 11 to the moon. Our day is a day of amusing distractions. There are a lot of them. They're not all bad. There are many distractions. I think Paul's word to these Romans is very relevant to us. Don't conform. Don't conform to the message out there that's being proclaimed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. If we're going to live in a distracted age as believers, we've got to fight to think carefully. And this is what God invites us to do. By God's grace, what we've already been celebrating this morning, we can. We can think carefully. Over the last two weeks, we've been studying worldliness, this biblical category. We've been giving these wonderful foundations, uh, these guardrails for how to fight against worldliness in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to try to seek to apply those things a little more to parts of our everyday lives. And particularly, we're going to be talking about music and media. Music and media. My main point today is this, God invites and enables us. He invites and enables us to know him better by being discerning as we engage with music and media. We, we need discernment, but thankfully God is so eager to give it. So this is what we'll do. We'll look at the first couple verses of Romans 12. We'll see some categories that the Lord's given us here and then seek to Uh, apply these things to enjoying media and music. So point one, we get to live for God. Verse one, I I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is an incredible calling. It's an incredible thing. Who are we to get to be those who worship the Lord, who know Him, who are able to be living sacrifices, to be made holy and acceptable. Who are we to be able to do this? This this therefore in this verse, it points back to Paul's entire argument from the 11 chapters before. The 11 chapters that end with the great doxology at the end of chapter 11, that argument is the glorious reality of the gospel, the good news of what Christ has accomplished. Chapters 1 to 3 make it so clear. We are all sinful, deserving of God's righteous judgment, not because of mistakes we've made in this life, but because of our rebellion against a holy God, our suppression of the truth, His truth, our falling short of his glory, our rejection of our maker, and we're all guilty. No one is righteous. No, not one. And yet, in God's mercy, in chapter 5, we have these verses. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, 
that perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, he died to reconcile us back to God. He bore the wrath that we deserved. He bore it in full so that by faith we might receive his righteous life, be forgiven of sin, justified before a holy God, invited into a life free from condemnation, a life where we have peace, access to God. We're given a life secured in his steadfast love for us, a life with a trajectory towards eternity and fellowship with him that he sovereignly and graciously bestows on his on his own. And that's why Paul ends chapter 11 with, oh, the depth and the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then it's as if Paul lowers his eyes after that praise and he looks at his readers and he says, so, if all that is true, and it is true about you, brothers, it's a term of endearment, those who have trusted in the Lord, this is true of you, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. It's a phrase that sums up all of the first 11 chapters, the mercies of God, I appeal to you, give yourselves to him. You know, the Christian life is, is a, it's a response of gratitude, isn't it? Because of Christ, it's our joy to obey. It's our joy to obey the rest of the commands of the book of Romans beginning right here where we're called to be different, to not conform, to be transformed, not just for difference sake, for Christ's sake. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. That's our worship. We belong to him. We live for him. And what does that look like? Well, verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This world is looking for conformity, pressing us into the mold of conformity to this world. God's looking for transformation, and he's making it happen by his spirit in the lives of his people. There's an ignorance of God in this world. There's a willful suppression of this truth. So conformity to this world is conformity to the godless perspective this world has. Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. So the key to transformation, it's not conforming to that. It's seeing the glory of Christ. It's thinking on him. It's a renewed mind. As we've learned, worldliness is a heart issue. It has everything to do with what we love, what we worship. But what we see here is that our hearts and our worship are connected to our minds. What do we set our minds on? Our calling is not to conform to the values of the world. It's to test. It's to discern. What this means, this means that thoughtless, passive engagement with the world 
is no option in the Christian life. Thoughtless, passive engagement with this world, it's no option for us. And this is where we apply it to music and media. God wants us to be discerning, that we might enjoy these things for his glory. So how do we do that? Well, first we need to recognize, this is point two, music and media are gifts from his hand. We should see that. They're really their gifts. Following up from Bill's message last week, God's so merciful to provide us with the enjoyment of these gifts. Who is a God like ours? We have sinned against the Lord. We deserve his judgment. And yet he gives us the trumpet, the cello, the electric guitar. He gives us harmonies to enjoy. He gives us Pixar. Smart TVs, social media, Bluetooth speakers. It's amazing. It's God's kindness to an undeserving people. You know, music's a powerful thing. I'm sure you know this. How many of you have had an experience where a song or a a bit of music has just had an effect on you? You you know, or, or maybe it's taken you back. A certain song has taken you back to some context or some memory or or when you were with some people. Or maybe a a song has ministered to you. It's served you. You know, plenty of studies have been done to try and measure the influence of music on our brains. They're just our neurological responses to music that we have. Music affects our emotions, our response, our attitudes. We see it happening in Scripture. In the Old Testament, right after God's greatest delivery up to that moment, the crossing of the Red Sea, the freeing of Israel from Egypt, their deliverance from slavery, God's mighty display of power over Pharaoh and his armies. What is the first thing Israel did? They sang. They sang to him. Exodus 15, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. It's the first song in the Bible. The Psalms are full of songs to sing to God for his wondrous works. You know, even this morning, we we don't sing on Sundays just because it's a tradition. We sing because it's, it's a gift God's given us, even a command he's given us to respond to him for our good. The singing and music, they are gifts from his hand for us to know him. And glorify him. And it's not just worship songs. All these varieties of of styles and music, they demonstrate the diversity and beauty of God. Heaven's going to be full of music. That's what's going on in Revelation. We'll be singing forever the praises of the Lamb. But thankfully, it's not just going to be folk music or indie rock or R&B. It's a wide variety. This is a book um, Harold Best wrote, Music in the Eyes of Faith. He says this, God is not Western. God is not Eastern. God is not exclusively the God of classical culture or primitive culture. God is the Lord of the plethora, the God of the diverse, the Redeemer of the plural. Pentecost tells us that one artistic tongue is only a start and a thousand will never suffice. There is no single chosen language or artistic or musical style that better than all the others can capture 
and repeat back the fullness of the glory of God. Music's a gift. And it's not just music. This world's full. These blessings of technology and art forms and varieties of media, they they can be used to give glory to God. There's some funny people out there, aren't there? My wife and I have laughed so hard uh, from you know, memes or GIFs or posts or, or videos people have, have made. One company took one-star reviews of national parks. And they used those reviews to mimic these inspirational posters advertising said park. I wanted to show you a couple because I think it's just so funny. So this first one. This is advertising the most beautiful place I've ever been to, Glacier National Park. Too cold for me. Or this next one, this is Arches National Park. Looks nothing like the license plate. Isn't that hilarious? And then this one, this is Yellowstone National Park, one of the most amazing places ever. Save yourself some time. Boil water at home. Exactly. It's funny. It's the gift of humor and enjoying it together. Uh, what a gift. These people are witty. My wife and I, we, we've, we've cried. You have too. We've cried in movies you've been affected by. You learn from documentaries, different things you see. We just had a vacation to the beach, and on the way back, my wife put on a 90s country playlist. <laughs> yeah. And it was both concerning how many songs just came to me immediately. Um, another power of music and a concern of worldliness. But there were also times when we just were looking at each other and just crying because of the lyrics. We're thinking about our family and God's blessing to us, thinking about our marriage. I'm sure that doesn't do it for you. But you have yours, don't you? You, you have your experiences where the Lord's given you these wonderful gifts that have edified your soul, that have made you grateful for His work and his presence and his kindness to you. These really are blessings. Tony Reinke, who's written a lot about technology, says this. God intended technology, and he's talking about a lot of different forms, to play an essential role for us to know and worship him. So God's given us these good gifts in music and media, but that's the key to enjoying them. Remember Romans 12, testing, you may discern What is the will of God? These are wonderful gifts in as much as they lead us to love Christ. And that leads to our next point. How do we enjoy these things for God's glory? Well, second, point three, we need to realize there are dangers that we cannot ignore. You know, the way the story goes, the Greeks offered to the city of Troy this giant wooden horse. And then they sailed away. They left the impression that they had surrendered. They they had been trying to breach the city and they couldn't. Well, the Trojans loved the horse. They had associated horses with power and wealth. So they celebrated the gift. They received it, eagerly celebrated their victory, not realizing that this perceived gift, this seemingly harmless thing, would actually lead to their destruction when the Greeks came out and took the city. You know, while these things really can, they can be a gift, we've got to be discerning. 
there are dangers. If we don't avoid, if we consider them to be harmless, if we're not paying careful attention, like the Lord so graciously exhorts us to, they can lead to destruction. Don't be conformed to the world. I don't know if you've noticed this, but righteousness in our world doesn't make a lot of money. It's not celebrated very much. It doesn't get the attention of the world. A positive post on social media, an uplifting kind of post, it just doesn't get much of a response. But an angry, critical, or a scandalous one goes everywhere. Or take a look at the top 10 movies already this year, or the top 10 songs. Look at what they're about. You learn what the culture celebrates and loves. And it's often not righteousness. So often the content of music and media, it appeals to our sinful nature. Think about the writers of the songs that we listen to. Is their aim for us to meditate on the glory of God? Is their aim for us to love the splendor of our great God? What what is Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or Disney after? Is it the good of your soul? Is it the honor of Christ? We just, we don't want to be ignorant. We want to be careful. I have too many times, it's embarrassing, been suckered into buying things because of infomercials. (laughs) I have a list, but my latest is a non-stick skillet. And the way they advertised this thing was they took cheese and they heated up the skillet, threw it on the skillet, it melted, and it just rolled around the thing like butter. Yeah, you're all thinking, where can I get this skillet? Uh, So I was sold and felt like I needed this. And it was for $19.99. And if you called now, <laughs> yeah, you got two. So I did, and it worked. It really did. It worked for two weeks. And then everything stuck like glue. Um, it, just an illustration to say there's a message being proclaimed out there of what we should find valuable of what we think we need, of what we should need. There's a message out there. This is valuable. This is good. You need this. Celebrate this. The danger is when we listen. The world's passing away. It's blind to the glory of God. That shouldn't matter for how we think about these things. In fact, God graciously calls us to be discerning. Be transformed. Test these things. Sometimes we can watch or listen, but not really watch or listen. Not really pay attention. Just do it passively without thinking. I I think as I've been preparing this message, this is where I'm most tempted, I think. When you come home from a long day of work, you're just tired, or maybe you've been studying for something for a long time and you just want to break, or maybe you're at home with kids and you finally get the kids down the house clean. You're just wanting that moment to uh, sit and relax, and you turn on some form of media. The danger, I don't think, is in doing this. Again, I, I think these things can really be a gift. The danger is not in just doing it. The danger is in doing it thoughtlessly. The danger is dropping our guard, not being discerning, not testing, but just intaking, not paying attention to the effects this could have on my heart, on my soul, on my affections for Christ. You know, listening to any music or taking in any form of media is never neutral because our hearts are always involved. So Paul says, think, oh, I appeal to you. In light of God's mercies, think about these things. 
C.J. Mahaney in his Worldliness book says, Today, the greatest challenge facing American evangelicals is not persecution from the world, but seduction by the world. We've talked about this. And I think if we, if, we don't think why, if we don't think about why we're listening or what we're listening to or watching or scrolling through, we leave ourselves vulnerable to this seduction. Here's the greatest problem with allowing these worldly influences and in music and media to go unchecked. They can numb our conscience. They can numb our view of sin because so often the content, the message that's coming from these places, it's so often a message that does celebrate sin. It can make sin look less bad. And when that happens, we don't only grow numb to the sin in our own hearts that grieves the Lord, but in doing so, we can grow numb to the grace of God in Christ for us. In our age of distraction, we're, we're trained to have muddied, unclear, watered-down thoughts. But the invitation, the invitation, the gracious invitation by God's Spirit this morning is for something better. Don't be conformed to that. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Enjoy these things for His glory. Discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. Which leads to our last point. We'll spend the rest of our time here. Seize these gifts for God's glory and your good. See, the problem with the world's influence is that it numbs our love for our Savior. But as we've already celebrated this morning, what is the Spirit doing? The Spirit empowers and enables us to love Christ, to see Him and to delight in him, and to love what he loves, and to hate what he hates, and to be conformed to his image. That's what he's committed to in our lives. It's what he's opened our eyes to see. We have been called to purposeful living. This is such a gift. He's given us new hearts, new desires. That's why, by his grace, we can present our whole selves to him as a living sacrifice. It's got everything to do with how we think about these things. So a few categories of application. And the first thing to realize is I think these things just take work. I think that's why Paul is appealing. I appeal to you. It doesn't come naturally. You know, the, 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 the influence of the world is like a river drifting downstream. To drift is to move downstream with the influence of the world. What we need help is for the Spirit to enable us to stand against the current and even move against it. We need help. It doesn't come naturally. We need supernatural help. And the world is not going to cheer you on for these efforts either because they want to mold you into conformity. So they might be difficult. These things at first, like meditating on Scripture, giving time to meditate on Scripture, or learning how to trace His gifts back to Him in his character, or to think carefully and be discerning. But over time, as we give ourselves to these things, as our mind is renewed, it becomes more and more natural by his grace. So number one, care about the content. Let's care about the content of these things. John 17, Jesus prayed, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Christians should care about, contempt, about content more than anyone. Because we're people of the truth. 
The truth is what set us free. God's word is truth. We are people who love the truth, who preach the truth, who, who bank our lives on the truth, who guard the truth, who set our minds on the truth. We're called to store it in our hearts, to meditate on it. So content matters. We, we should care about the content of a song, like the lyrics. What is it saying? What is it celebrating? We should care about the content of a post or a show or a movie. What is this teaching? We don't want to be amused to death. We don't want to grow numb to the truth. We want to grow deep roots built on the truth like the man in Psalm 1 who meditates on it day and night and grows strong. I think it might be one of the most important things we can do to renew our minds. It's to give ourselves to the reading and feasting upon the truth. We need to know the truth. You know, people, I have heard this said and probably said it myself at times. We, we want to sometimes say, you know, this show uh, or, or following this person's account, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. And, and we're talking about things that are just kind of godless things or maybe sensuality or crude language. You know, that, I'm fine. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't influence me, doesn't affect me. And just thinking about that, I think, well, it should. It should bother us, right? It should affect us. Seeing godlessness should bother us. It should grieve us. Why? Because we love the Lord. It doesn't mean you, you can't watch it necessarily or listen to something necessarily. It just means we should at least be grieved. We should at least be grieved that content that displeases God. We should think about it. We should ask the question, is this celebrating sin? Is what this is saying, is it, is it, is it helpful? Are they good things? We can redeem them by talking to others about them. What's good from that? What's, what's not? When you have kids, you just see things differently, I think. You just kind of see through their eyes and see the influence that it can have on these little sponges but what you also, I think, recognize is it's influencing me too. The glamorization of sin is a dangerous thing. Bob Coughlin asks this very uh, penetrating question. How can we sing songs that proclaim the Savior's death for our sins on the cross and then fill our minds with songs that idolize the sins that put him there? It's a great question. Let's don't be conformed. Passivity is no option. Let's evaluate. Let's test. Let's think. Not just what it's saying, but what it's not saying. If the background noise in your life is godless, what's that doing in your soul? So ask some questions. Do you care more about the lyrics? Do you care more about the lyrics to a song or just the feel and the beat? Do you, do, you, do you try to learn about a movie or a show before watching? you review content? Are you willing to not watch it based on what is in it? Do you scroll with a purpose or is it always a mindless escape? We are living sacrifices, called to be, purchased to be. So content matters. Secondly, submit all things to Christ. We're called to present ourselves, our whole selves, as living sacrifices. Christians have the privilege of being eternally alive by faith. 
to God. We live with Christ, but our old selves have been crucified with him. So we are living sacrifices. We devote our whole selves to him. Listening to music is not an individual right. Watching TV or scrolling on your phone, it's not time that belongs to you. That's how the world thinks. Your time, do what you want. That's not who we are. 1 Corinthians 6 says we've been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us whatever you do, in whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. So enjoying music and media, it's not, like, it's not a separate part of our lives, our little personal part of our lives. This is life. This is where we need transformation. This is where we need renewed minds. So can you say, this brings God glory. This edifies my soul. I think it's a great area for young people to have your parents' help. When it comes to your music and media choices, you want them to be involved. Maturity is not being able to make your own choice. And this goes for everybody. Maturity is not just being able to make your own choice freely. Maturity is recognizing the sin of your own heart and your need for help. That's maturity. Proverbs 19 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. We need help. So some questions. Have you considered what your friends or a spouse would say if they looked at everything that you listen to or watch or scroll through? Is there anything that, like a show, website, song, a post that you don't want people knowing you've been on or looked at or listened to or like? Do you you see this time as just your own personal private time that belongs to you? We're called to submit all things to Christ, to be a living sacrifice. And in fact, that's for our good, isn't it? It's for our good. He's inviting us to walk in the light in a way that both pleases him and is best for us. Thirdly, thirdly, watch your time. A few years ago, a Roper survey was conducted asking people, Uh, about their TV watching, 96% of people think they watch less TV than the average person. (laughs) I'm no statistician. 96% of people think they watch less TV than the average person. We're just prone to self-deception. We all are. Matthew 6, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is, is also, will be also. We invest time in what we treasure. For most Americans, media is the omnipresent backdrop of life. We're, we're rarely beyond its reach. So how much time are you investing? Do you evaluate the time you are investing each week, each day? Think about your phone. I mean, you get these reports about screen time. Do you evaluate that? How many of you have sent a text during this message or uh, looked up some? I'm just kidding. Don't. It's just good to evaluate. Where we spend our time can reveal our hearts. It can reveal what we prioritize most. David Saxton wrote a book about the Puritan practice of meditating on the Scriptures. And he wrote this, If a believer is to survive in a world of constant distraction, he must make honest and discerning choices about the use of his time. 
He must be willing to part with anything that clutters his mind to the point that he can no longer silently commune with the Lord. I think this is the calling for us, but I think it's God-enabled and for our good. Lastly, fourth, watch, your, watch the fruit. What, what's the fruit of these things in your life? Are your music and media choices, are they encouraging you in a greater love for the Savior or less? Are they doing something Godward in your life, helpful? Are they conforming your thoughts more to the world or more to the Lord and what He says is good? How do they affect your relationships with other people? Does it encourage them and help them and bless them? Or is music and media where you go to when you're just tired of people? Do you find your attitudes towards others being affected? Do you find music and media choices affected, affecting what occupies your mind throughout the week? Colossians 3, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's a great litmus test. Can you say you're giving thanks as you enjoy these gifts he's given us? Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Test, discern, give yourselves wholly over to God and his purposes. Know what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's an amazing invitation. And ultimately, you know, what is our hope for being able to do this? 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's the Spirit who is at work, opening our eyes to behold Christ. Our hope for renewing our minds is not based on us doing this perfectly. It's based on the Spirit enabling us to see and love Christ. So pray for His help. If you're a Christian here today and you... You don't want to be worldly. You've just been convicted. You want to fight against worldliness. I've got great news for you. God's committed to doing this in your heart. God's committed to doing this in your mind. So pray for help and motivated by his grace and his kindness, set your mind on the truth. Commit yourself to think on the truth. And if you're convicted of any sin, what do you do? Well, you confess. You repent of sin. You turn from it. You thank God for the gift of conviction. And then try. Keep trying. Keep working at it. Pray for the Lord to give you a greater love for Christ. And ask for his help to transform your mind. The man in Psalm 119, if you're reading through the Bible in a year with us, we've been reading Psalm 119. He has a great love for God. Then he's got great confidence in the Lord, a great delight in him, a Godward way of thinking about all the circumstances in his life. I don't think he just woke up and started doing that. I think he gave himself. He says he gave himself over to loving and meditating on and thinking about God's word such that it became his greatest delight. Guys, God invites us to the same thing, invites us to enjoy that same Reality. He's so gracious to give us these gifts and he's merciful to renew our minds so that we'd enjoy him for his glory. So, so may this week 
May the Spirit be at work renewing our minds, conforming them not to this world, but to the will of God for His great glory, for our good. Because He's ransomed us to no longer live for ourselves, but for Him who for our sake died and was raised. What an incredible privilege. Let's pray for God's help. Lord, we thank you for your word and your invitation to live in the good of your word and your truth. And what we pray for, Lord, is that you would incline our hearts to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Lord, that you'd give us a great desire to know your truth, to love your truth. Open our eyes to behold the wondrous things in your law. Teach us your ways, O Lord, that we might walk in your truth. Unite our hearts to fear your name. And satisfy us, O Lord, every morning with your steadfast love that we would rejoice and be glad in you. I pray for a greater and greater degree of transformation in our minds and hearts that we might be satisfied in you and live discerning that we might enjoy these great gifts for your glory. We pray for your help and we're thankful for your commitment to our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Zach Varnell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.